Uh, I got word uh, a little while ago that my uh, our friend Vicky uh, has uh, went back to the cancer center there in Texas, and uh, she the cancer is now uh, it's back. So if we could just lift her up, thank you, Lord. You knew all about this. You're taking care of it. And uh, we ask you to be with all those who are in affliction and difficulty, knowing at the end of the matter, everything is in your hands. And you are a nurturing father of, of, of great grace and love and mercy. And we thank you for it as we gather in your name. Amen.
an introduction to whoever has a line, but something that uh, Gabriel said the other day that he said that uh, Brother John Cheever, I think, said, First uh, Peter, I didn't bring my Bible, but uh, well, might not be first, maybe second here. think it was that um, before the foundation of the world and uh, it's hard to understand some of these things because our minds are so are used to thinking on, on a different way but it said that before the problem came the solution was there so that the, the lamb was slain and uh, okay, 120. It says, uh, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And so that, um, and so that before uh, Justin made some decisions that were not right, the solution was already there. And so before I went my own way, the solution was already there. And so that this God that we know know us and not only know us but knows everything in such a way that before the fall comes there's a solution for that and so that uh, I don't know uh, when I heard that they, they give, this gives us such a such an assurance such a peace such a trust that this man Jesus this the Lord uh, the Lord God foresaw because he made us, and he made us uh, just the way we are, and he knew what, uh, what we were going to do, and before all of that came into being, before man was even formed, the solution was already there. He was already thinking about how he was going to solve this. And so, that's why it says that the, 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 the lamb, the blood of Christ, was already there before we even came along. And so I don't know what that does to you, but I, when I heard that, uh, 
I have read that before, but I thought, wow, this is something else. Now, another thing is in, in the book of Corinthians, first book, somebody mentioned this too. I think it was uh, Abby read this uh, on her uh, opening. Okay, somebody helps me here. Two words that uh, scripture she read. Uh, it says that uh, he was determined not to know anybody. Two, two. Two, two, okay. So this is another thing. Another thing I've been thinking about it. Two, two? Yeah, okay. So for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now we go to 2 Corinthians. I think it's also second uh, chapter. Somebody else helps me here is what it says. If we knew Christ, even if we knew Christ, we don't want to know him anymore in the flesh. What is that? Yeah, I know. Thank you. That's a lot of help. <laughs> All right. I had it there were my notes, but I didn't even bring the notes or the or the Bible. Okay, so five. Okay, so wherefore henceforth known we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet us henceforth know we him no, no more. And so, this is what I wanted to share with you. You see, this man walked three and a half years with Jesus, right? They knew him. He was with them every day. He taught them. He, they saw him healing others. They saw him having a word of wisdom. They saw, they saw him doing all kinds of things. Yet, Paul is telling them, the Spirit of the Lord, they cannot base now their life on that man. Why is that? I mean, Jesus, there was nobody has been like Jesus, right? Yet, we cannot trust that. And so what he's telling us also is that some, the, whoever read this was applying this verse to our relationships. That I cannot know you in the flesh. Why is that? Because you are not that man that I see. Is that true? Uh, and so if I am following the right path, 
When I see you doing something that is not according to the new man, I'm seeing a man that is dead. I'm not seeing the man that God is seeing. And so he says that uh, this man Jesus, he said, we don't know him anymore. That's quite difficult to understand, especially when we're used to thinking that, what will Jesus do? And so that's my pattern. What will Jesus do? What will he do in this situation? Well, that's wrong because he's not a man. There's another man. The man that went to the cross, the man that resurrected, that's the man. That's the man we had to follow, but now we don't know what he used to do because he's no longer that man. This is a new man. And so now what we got is the Holy Spirit that is going to teach us what to do according to that new man, not according to that old man, even though he was Jesus, even though he did miracles, even though he did everything we read in the Bible about it. But Paul is saying, we don't know that man. Because there's a new man, the Lord Jesus, that resurrected and defeated death. And so now, our contact is no longer the Jesus. Now, our contact is the Holy Spirit. And so only through the Holy Spirit we can have that contact with both the Lord Jesus and God, the Father. And so, on the other hand, when I see you, and you see the problem here is that our main problem is with each other. Not necessarily that, well, I will, I will, I will frame it this way, is that since I have not been with you 30 years, I don't know you. And you don't know me either. You have not gone through me on difficult times. Neither have, have I gone with you through difficulties, which is the way we know each other. But let's say anyway, regardless of that, the only way I can know you is in the new man. And, and Paul says, I have determined myself. I have decided, it's a decision that we need to make. I decide not to know anything but Christ and him crucified. So the Christ that was crucified. And so I saw that as the path to get us out of the many problems we face, both with ourselves and with each other. And Paul, I think, is giving us the key. He says, we don't know. Can you imagine telling that to the disciples? That's why the disciples in the, in the way to Emmaus didn't recognize him because they were thinking about the old Jesus. Even Mary did not recognize him because she was thinking also about the man she had seen for three and a half years. But now before her, there was a new man. And she, yet, the mystery of that is that 
when he spoke to her, she immediately knew who he was. I hope this makes some sense, but it has helped me quite a bit. The way I can walk and relate to that man. Thank you. There's an important um, transition that Abel's referring to um, that happens in the garden when Mary goes and approaches Jesus and he says, don't touch me, I haven't yet ascended. And he says, go tell my brethren and the disciples that I go to my God and your God and my father and your father. There's a very important transition there because what Actually, he's saying is God's interested in uh, not just the one son, Jesus, that came through and, and performed what he was, his destiny and his calling and fulfilled exactly what his father had destined for him. But actually, God was interested in building a family of, of many sons uh, coming to glory. So now it was not just Jesus's father. Now we, it was it was our father. And it wasn't just Jesus's God. It was our God. And. Um, that's where all of us are. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, the sword's point of our lives is how is the relationship working? <laughs> you know, and is it working? Uh, I think, I, boy, I really, I need to um, stop. Uh, I don't mean stop like stop in the middle of the road. I mean like stop and take an account. Is the relationship working? Is it really working? Uh, and, and uh, it was saying the impact that we need. Now we have the Holy Spirit. And I thought, every one of us, there's, a, there's a, an, an election um, resting upon every single one of us to be in a, in a relationship where we are influenced, where we are impacted, we are, we are encountered on a regular basis by the Spirit of God. Every one of us. Did I say every one of us again? I mean, there isn't like an age limit, right? There isn't, I mean, I know there's a lot of young people in here and I know there's, there's a lot of um, levels of maturity and immaturity in all of us, but this is for all of us, that there is an election resting upon us that God himself has put there for us to come into uh, contact with his spirit, actually come into contact with his spirit. Uh, on a regular basis and I have to ask myself how is that going and is that working um, <clears throat> because that's really what isn't that what makes any difference in our lives I mean we you know last week we we talked about you know we had you guys missed some of this I'm sorry you did because I don't know how it even happened but we just started sharing about different areas that what was happening around the place maybe you heard this and, and, and there was, a, 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 in my opinion, a, a level of anointing about it because it was a, a um, it kind of let us in on things because there's so many things that happen around here, but it let us in on what people were doing and, and, and there was a, a beauty of, of um, spirit and s servanthood <laughs> that was shown in that process, you know, and I thought, 
how beautiful that is. That, uh, and what I thought was, boy, God is upgrading our appreciation for what he's doing. It's not, it, I don't mean it's, we don't, it's not about, um, I don't mean we, it's not like we, we aren't going to appreciate each other, but look at the whole package that God, that God himself orchestrates to get together. So you have all these different people uh, and they're not alike, and, but they're doing things all over the place here. And, and, and somehow I think the spirit led us to share that and, and, and reveal to us. And I think actually Josiah maybe started it out, I don't know, by accident. Uh, with the opening he brought because he was so transparent about the operation of God going on in his own life. There was a transparency there of, of the actual operation of spirit going on. And I think that is what uh, is, has any meaning here. That, the, that there's an operation of the spirit of God going on in each in the members. Um, and so that you know that was gratifying to listen to that you know yeah. that that being um, uh, shared. And I have something here that fits in with what Abel was saying, and that is that this relationship with the Spirit of God. I don't want you to think you're on your own to make that happen. And what I mean is because the Bible says in Psalm 65, 4, that blessed is the man whom you choose and cause to approach that he may dwell. Uh, I better read the rest. I got a brand new Bible. You're really going to be blessed tonight with this. And it's got goat skin. I wanted badger skin because, well, <laughs> covered the ark, but... I got goat skin anyway, but it's very nice. My daughter's got it for me. Aren't they sweet, Mary? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, get out of the soul realm. Let's get a little higher. But it says, Blessed is the man whom you choose and cause to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. That word dwell there isn't just like a visit, visit, right? Um, that is a permanent, you can look it up. It means take up permanent residence. There, that, so I don't want you to think that you're on your own in this relationship um, to make this happen with the Holy Ghost. Now, do you have, I hope you uh, cultivate some kind of prayer life. I hope you cultivate some kind of waiting on the Lord. I, we were talking about reading the Bible, you know, and now I have a new one. But if it was reading the Bible, I've been reading the Bible a long time. Eh? And uh, you, if that was what did it, you'd all fall on the floor when I stood up, if that's what did it. Um, But I just want to look at this line for a minute, and hopefully I won't be very long. And that is that cause to approach. Because that is such an important thing to understand. And, and Abel said it, that there was a provision before the foundation of the world. The reason that, that uh, um, you and I aren't counting on our own commitment. The shift of weight is not on our commitment. Is our commitment important? Yes. 
But really the shift of weight is because of God's commitment to his purpose. And, and so our confidence, when it says our confidence is in the Lord, it, our confidence is in God's commitment to what his eternal purpose is for his people. And so when it says cause to approach, um, it, it, it is, uh, I, I think we have to understand uh, what that might look like, because that's always going on. Nelson agreed. Thank you. That's always going on, but it's it's um, I think um, it's very uh, significant. Uh, and maybe we'll look in Jeremiah 24. It's such a, it's an interesting, I, I won't read all the verses, but it's, uh, Jeremiah is prophesying, or it's speaking, um, and he's talking about two sets of figs, and Jeremiah saw two baskets of figs, and um, one basket was good figs, and the other basket was bad figs. And um, the ones that were good figs are the ones that were those that were going to be carried away captive. It says this in, in Jeremiah 24. Those that were going to go into captivity were the good figs. Which is an interesting thing. Then there was a group. I don't know. You, you probably know this, right? There was a group that refused to go into captivity. And they went to Egypt and they, they did other things. And, and, and God called them a basket of bad figs. Um, and it, so you can either be a good fig or a bad fig. And the point of this is that things go on in our lives that seem like captivity. And... Uh, what we have to understand is the promise in, in Jeremiah when they went into captivity to Babylon. And God uses anything. How, do, how many of us know he's got everything at his disposal? And he uses any of it at any given time. He uses anything to cause us to approach. And so he sent these, these children of Israel into captivity to Babylon for 70 years and he calls those are the ones that are the good figs and those are the ones that I have a determined end and if you read further around we won't look but you read further around he says at the beginning the first year of their captivity God says through Jeremiah I know the thoughts I think about you yeah. and I thought how important it is to once in a while get get in on maybe what God's thought is because He's got different thoughts about stuff. And what his thought about captivity was that it was a good thing. He was bringing his people into captivity. And I have to tell you tonight that that is exactly what God wants out of us. That to be in captivity to what he's doing. He is looking for full on captives. And 
Those are the ones, it's just an illustration. They go into Babylon and he's, those are the ones he says, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got great plans for you. I've got great thoughts for you. And, and, uh, and, and this is all part of it. And I think how important it is to say, God, can you open your thought to me about why this is going on, lest I refuse something that you're intending through this to cause me to approach. So I just want to talk, I just want to look at, I, I want to refer to, I won't look. But <clears throat> there was a Syrophoenician woman, remember that one that, that um, had to get Jesus' attention? And, and, and what does Jesus do? He ignores her. He was rude. Right? It appears. Right? If you say amen once in a while, I won't be long. I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> okay. The Syrophoenician woman, he said it's not good to give... Uh, the children's meat bred to dogs. Yeah, that isn't kind. What was going on? He was, he was, how many of us know, he was causing that woman to approach. Okay, how about the woman, the widow at Zarephath? She was a real treat, wasn't it, for Elijah, right? He says, I prepare, I, Elijah, I've made a provision for you. That would invoke certain images, right? She wasn't it. She was a widow, and she was, what, what was going on there? God was causing her, he was getting her closer that was his intention. He was getting Elijah closer, too. How about Jonah? He's a good example. Causing to approach. What was Jonah up against? Something that we're not acquainted with. Unwillingness. Yeah. All he was was uh, he had a nature that was in opposition to God. I've heard of that in some places. Opposition. I don't know all his rationale. Sister Betty said he was afraid of the folks in Nineveh. I, I don't know. He, he seemed to be irritated with God's mercy because he thought they needed to be destroyed. I mean... But I just have to tell you, his thoughts were not God's. They were in opposition to what God was doing. And what, what did God do? He was, he, all the while, he's working on Jonah. And Jonah takes his own way and he goes to the, you know the story. He's, and what did Jonah come out? Man, did Jonah have an inspired moment in the belly there, didn't he? Right. I mean, was that a prayer life? That's got to be one of the best prayers in the whole Bible, right? He that observes lying vanities forsakes his own mercy. Isn't that really like, who, where did he get that? He got that from the Holy Ghost. 
What was God doing there with Jonah? He was, he was saying, Jonah, I'm going to cause you to approach to me. Our greatest enemy is indifference to the plan of God, to the purpose of God. That's a great enemy. And so God gives, puts things in our lives that stir us up and what he's doing. And we will miss it if we don't say, God, what are you doing? He is causing us to approach him. You are blessed. If God's giving you incentives, if God's stirring up your house, I think it was, was it Richard the other day uh, or somebody, Don? I don't know who said it. <clears throat> that he went around, he was thinking of the whole fellowship and everyone had some, some difficulty or affliction or something that in their family or in themse themselves or a member of the family, whatever, something that, that was, was going on. Um, is, how about Job? What was God doing with Job? Yeah, he was bringing, bringing Job into a condition where he was close. In a way that he hadn't been. And he didn't even look like one of those guys that needed to be messed with. He looked like a good example. He was... The best guy at the time. He had quite a life. You would call that he had quite a life. Job had quite a life. Like he's, quite a, he's quite a guy. And God just wanted them close. If you, you should take time sometimes to read through the book of Job and read what Job says. Like around 29 through 31. I mean, he... He, how many of us know that God gets us down to what actually sometimes is working there and you don't see it? He gets us right down to it. What drives us? And uh, you, you, it comes out of Job. I mean, he, he's pretty... Maybe I can find one example. Um, it's, it's worth looking at maybe quickly. I think it's 29, I, I was reading the other day. Well, I don't see it. That's all right. You can look for it yourself. He just pours out. I mean, he's he's uh, it's, there's a lot of self-justification and this, you know, uh, you're all you're all a bunch of miserable counselors. You you know, I you think I don't know what you know. And, you know, is all that fomenting out of him. And, and and God was God had him in that turmoil. He, had, he brought him into the turmoil to to get him out of what was his sequestered life to get him into a condition where he, would, he got close with God. <clears throat> and, and the same thing is going on with us. All of us are appointed uh, to approach and to get close. And God uses what, all the things in our lives um, to draw us closer. And um, in Luke 18...
Uh, Jesus gives this parable that to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And it's about the unjust judge and a widow. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And he says, hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And he says, shall he find faith on the earth? I thought, this is such, a, this is such an important picture because you say, well, what do you do when God has is, is, is got things going on in your life? Um, what is it that I can do? What do I do about those things? Because I can't... Uh, I, I, I can't fix the things. I can't change the things because all of us would like to change the things. But you and I, we can say, Lord, <laughs> here I am again. Does anybody use that word again a lot? I use that word again. Here I am again. Here I fell into that trap again. I had that same response again. I need your thought again. I need the influence of your spirit again. Men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to quit, not to draw back. Lord, you say, I look in the Bible, you say you are causing me to approach and it feels like everything but that. But Lord, here I am again. Those things that God puts in our lives are for us to get closer to him. And the counsel here is that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Then it goes on and he talks further about two men that went to the temple to pray. And you know the story. The one guy was a Pharisee and he was grateful for the condition that he was in. Right? He, he said, I'm not, I'm not as, isn't that a funny thing? I'm not as bad as some of these other people. Right? It, it, uh, they're extortioners, they're unjust, they're adulterers. Um, even, as, even as this other guy that came to pray. I, I fast twice in a week, right? I give tithes. And the publican standing afar off would not lift so much of his eyes unto heaven and smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I wonder which one actually had contact with the Spirit of God. You know what's important to take a look at is... Is it working? That's not for the purpose of condemnation. But if I am being impacted by the Spirit of God, I am saying, thank God, thank you for your mercy again. Thank you that you're merciful again today, Lord. Um, 
And I'm just going to read one more thing. Um, and it says he bears long with us. Has that been anybody else's experience? But I just want to read something in Psalm 139 and then I'll sit down. Because this jumped out at me because I was thinking about the thoughts of God. Or I was trying to. But in Psalm 139, 17 and 18, this is one of the thoughts of God. And actually the way it's written Well, let me just read it. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. And, but then previous, it says you can't even count them. Right? You know, it talks about all the... Well, you can read the whole thing on your own. But if, if I should count them... They are more in number than the sand. Do you ever count sand? Okay. How, he says, how great is the sum of your thoughts? But then he says this. It's a, there's a colon there. Not the thing that's in your body. The two dots. Some of you looked at me like... If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand, colon, waiting for further explanation. When I awake, I am still with thee. And that just hit me the other day. And I wish it would hit you. I can't make it hit you, but... Because the sum of God's thoughts. When I awake... I am still with you. Well, what does that mean? You know, you think about this world now. The big thing is to be woke. <laughs> and it's um, everything that the devil does is a perversion uh, of what God really is doing because he's waking us up. <laughs> But when I awake, I thought, when I awake from what? From whatever <laughs> I've been dull to. I wake up from the same dull, unspirit-influenced reaction. I wake up out of the thought that I was living under. I wake up out of the direction that I was going under. I wake up out of the words that have come out of my mouth or out of the, the case that I have built or out of my reactions that are the same that have plagued me for too many years, or, or I, I wake up and I thought, after every waking up, the sum of God's thoughts are that I am still with Him. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter where you find yourself. You say, Lord, I'm crying to you again. And when you awake, you find out that He didn't leave you even though you are wandering all over the place. Even though you had a divided heart. And you wake up out of that and you say, God, Bill was talking to me about some health thing. And I, I said, does it work on carnality? Because I've been taking that powder 
And I take, like, I'm so embarrassed to tell you this, I've been taking 10 or 12 pills every morning. 10 or 12. You know, when my mother married Al Valentine, it was a crisis because we changed eating. We went from Italian food to health food. We went from lasagna, we went from lasagna to soybean casserole. That's a, I mean, that's, this is true. I'm not making this up. I mean, it's way worse than I'm stating it. I'm totally understating And Al was a good brother. He's a good guy. He, but he would take his handful of supplements every day. And I just thought, this guy is Lulu Bells. And you know what I'm doing now in the morning? Taking these supplements. I mean, it'll come around. I mean, you can gloat for a while, but it will come around. God will say, hey, Dave, you know what you're going to do? In about 50 years, you're going to have two big bags of vitamins in your Bible case. There isn't anything let me just say that again. There isn't anything when you wake out of it that God has left you over. The sum of his thought is you're still with me. Could you gloat on that? Could you think about that? Let that stew that the sum of God's thoughts or that regardless of what you have to go through, regardless of what comes out of you like Job, or regardless of the direction you take like Jonah, or regardless of all those things, the sum of his thoughts, when you wake up out of that, I'm still with it. Isn't that great? Okay. The bill wants me to close. Yeah. Well, I had another hour, but I'll close. No, that's okay. I, I just want to just stay close. Oh, you hold the mic. Okay. When I went to the, the, this aspect of causing you to draw an air, when I went to the convention, that was the word. I think I don't even know if I preached it there, but but the. The aspect of the liberty of God and the causality, because wherever the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. And that liberty can be a, a resistance for you because you, don't, you can sit, you can say, I don't want to, I don't feel to, uh, I love this more than anything else. And so the fact that there is a, you know, when, when the Lord uh, said himself, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And what he was talking about is a constancy that he has. He has a constancy. I mean, you're drinking or eating most of the time uh, so you can sustain yourself. And if you're not drinking and eating him, and you don't have to, and this is Dave's point tonight, is it working? And, and we ought to define that sometimes. What do you mean, is it working? How do I know it's working? Because there are a lot of people, Lulabells, 
who think it's working, and they're not really uh, where they should be. God help us in this tonight. And uh, you're free. Okay. Good. Patrick, want to dismiss us? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the word, for your life in us, Lord, and for your faithfulness to us, Lord, your keeping power. Thank you for the road, Lord. And, uh, know that you're watching over us, Lord, and you hold each of us in the palm of your hand. 